If I had spoken to the prophet who wrote this old blog post four years ago, I would ask her one final question. Are you willing to give your life for this revelation you are proclaiming? The disciples of Christ gave their lives for the gospel, the revelation of the kingdom of God for those who would believe in Jesus Christ, to save them and to give them eternal life. Is your vision carrying the same weight and certain truth? I would have said with emboldened love in the Lord, repent. Christ is not in this, nor is the gospel being proclaimed. Consider all that I have shown you and the questions I have posed. Strongly consider you are in error. Return to the word of God. And I would end with the best source of truth. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. This is a lesson for us all. Thank God for ears to hear and eyes to see the truth. Soli Deo Gloria. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Subscribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Subscribe. I'm so glad that you're joining me this morning on this podcast, on this episode in particular. (laughs) It's based on a blog post that I wrote recently called A Prophetic Spider Reveals Bad Theology. And you may be wondering, what in the world is that? Well, it has to do with a post that I had written about four years ago, and I wanted to look at it to uh, break it down, to test it against scripture. And to also point out that no one is above correction, no one is above scrutinizing. This is not necessarily to dwell on the past and to continue to necessarily rehash things or to get angry and to go on some diatribe. But this is to look at what I wrote then and to test it against scripture, which that should be the common practice that we're doing with any teaching that we're getting. That no one is, again, immune from being scrutinized, including myself. And this was one of the blog posts I wanted to look at, and I made, and I'm probably going to do this again because there were a number of them that I need to look at and to point people back to Scripture and back to Jesus Christ, because that's what true prophecy does, is it points back to Christ. It testifies of Christ. And as you're going to see as I read through this blog post, this is not testifying of Christ. I mean, you're going to see that that the, the star of the show in this blog post, this old blog post from 2017, is a black widow spider. Now, that's embarrassing to admit that, but that's the truth. When I look at this and when I read back through it on my own, continuing to become a student of the Word, I look at this and blatantly see this is not testifying of Christ. This is not this is not sharing the gospel. And so that first little excerpt that I that you heard at the beginning is what I would say to myself, the, the person four years ago. Now, I don't know if the person four years ago would listen, to be honest with you, because when you're in this type of movement, you automatically or any movement for that matter where you anybody can get into this arrogant way of not wanting to listen or think that they know better. But in particular in this movement, I know that there can be a tendency for people to think that their way is better, they don't want to listen, and I I would I would hope that I would want to listen, but I don't know at that point if I would have, but thank God I'm listening now and I'm willing to look at this. The post that I originally did was in May 11th of 2017, and it had to do with a prophetic vision that revealed what I was calling Jezebel's pet. Uh, And again, you're going to laugh if you hear some of this, or depending on where you're at (laughs) in your beliefs. But I laugh at it now because I think this is so silly. This is a way to 
inadvertently get more likes and more clicks and more shares. Whenever you start talking about spiritual warfare, you start talking about certain hot topics. Um, those are things that really get more people reading or listening to you. And so when you're not talking about those things, those, those don't tend to be such a hot topic. But I wrote this uh, blog post in May of 2017 and it was about the Jezebel's pet, about being her being disturbed, and this black widow spider. And some of the charismatic media outlets, uh, Charisma was uh, one of the main ones that picked it up and they shared it. And just to give you an idea, I don't know the exact numbers of people that this went out to, but just to look, but to look at their social media site, for example, when you look at the actual posts that they made on their social media account on this, there are 726 shares and a little over 1,100 likes or reactions on this post. And again, it's hard to tell how many others saw this. And there are some that are far more popular than uh, and other people that wrote and write things and wrote things that are going to get way more traction. But that just gives you an idea for this particular blog post. So as I read this, I, w I want you to, to see who's being highlighted here, or what's being highlighted. And I'm going to stop and just add some insight into this and looking back on it now as I read my own writing from four years ago, the error that's here, and we'll talk about some of the truth that we need to that we need to point back to. So let's begin. She was large and lurking in the corner of a basement. I knew what type of spider it was the moment I saw the red hourglass on her abdomen. I went from seeing this vision to seeing cobwebs in the front of residences I did not recognize. Boldness began to rise up on the inside of me as I cursed the black widow, commanding her to die. I then found myself declaring the demise of her egg sac, prophesying destruction to every curse and every attack attempting to be birthed against the kingdom of God. Well, in the first few small paragraphs that I read here, the first thought that comes to me when I read this is, boy, this person is really special to be able to do such things, to prophesy and to... Uh, to curse every attack attempting to be birthed against the kingdom of God. I mean, this is really just superhero level right here, isn't it? I have to laugh at this to keep from crying sometimes when I read these things because in the first few paragraphs, I instantly get the impression or, or understand that these are vain imaginations. This has nothing to do with God. We're starting off with an arachnid. Um, we're starting off with something that was created by the creator. And we're, we're launching off into the deep char uh, charted waters of vain imaginations. And I say that because as someone who, looking back now, I, I did not understand prophecy. And I say this as someone who can look at this and go, the person who wrote this four years ago did not understand prophecy, did not understand scripture, and did not have a proper understanding of theology. And just as a reminder, the definition of theology is the study of the nature of God and religious belief. And titling this blog post, A Prophetic Spider Reveals Bad Theology, it shows to me reading through this that I did not have a proper understanding of theology, of the nature of God, and of beliefs surrounding God. This was, again, this was focusing on a spider. So let's keep going. This is not a normal word I would share. But I know and strongly believe that we are seeing an intensification of witchcraft in our midst in this hour. Sadly, it is operating not only in obvious demonic realms, but also from within the body of Christ among living stones. That's interesting. You, you'll see this type of talk in the charismatic, hyper-charismatic churches or movements. Um, not everybody does this. I don't want to generalize and say everybody does this, but you do see it very heightened and increased. There is a strong focus on spiritual warfare 
warfare. There's a strong focus on witchcraft, especially on Christian witchcraft, which I'm not talking about women or people. I'm not talking about individuals who identify themselves as witches and say they're Christian, but this is a different thing. So there is a lot of talk in these circles of Christians that are operating in witchcraft. And a lot of times uh, people will revert back to in uh, the account in Samuel where the the scripture about uh, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft when Samuel is addressing King Saul. And he did not wait on Samuel to... bring or to do the offering before the Lord. Instead, Saul took it upon himself to do it. He didn't listen to God. Also, he did not obey God in killing all the Amalekites. And he he kept King Agag alive. And so we know what happened to King Agag. Samuel took care of that. And that the the garment was ripped from Sam, from Saul's robe. And that was a prophecy given to Saul from Samuel that the kingdom will be ripped from him and be given to another man. So anyway, but that particular scripture, sin is as the uh, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That is thrown around like you wouldn't believe in these movements to basically tell people, you know, whenever you rebel against leaders, you're operating in witchcraft. And it's not taking the proper context that actually the rebellion was against God. And equating it to witchcraft, which I find it also interesting when you look at the history of Saul, just as a side note, it's interesting almost as if that, that Samuel was prophesying to Saul because we know that he went to the witch of Endor to seek out Samuel after he died because he needed, uh, God was not speaking to him. We see that in scripture that it says that God had, was no longer with Saul, that he was no longer speaking to him. And so he seeks out a necromancer, which he had banished from the kingdom in order to seek out Samuel and And we know what follows from there. But witchcraft in that sense is heavily focused on in these movements. And it's not mentioned very much in the New Testament that we can find. Uh, Not to say that that doesn't happen with the, in Galatians, it talks about one of the works of the flesh is sorcery that's listed in those, in that list of works of the flesh. But witchcraft is something that's very much focused on in these movements, and it's heightened to a level that it really shouldn't be as far as that's concerned. I'm going to keep reading here. Recently, I was praying and asking the Lord about some attacks occurring in my life and in the lives of seasoned leaders around me. It seemed the devil had upped the ante, and I wanted to discern what was manifesting. It was at this time I had an internal vision of a black widow spider. Well, I really wish that the individual who wrote this four years ago, again, this is myself that wrote this, I really wish that I had biblical discernment to understand that what I was seeing and what I was saying was not scriptural, and it had nothing to do with God. It was, again, a vain imagination. Now, some people are going to disagree with me on this, and the disagreement needs to go back to scripture. If, if you disagree with me on this, I'm going to give some strong pushback on this and say, you need to point to me in scripture where what I am saying is falling in line with scripture, because nothing yet is falling in line with scripture. This is all from my own experience. Again, my experience here is going to be elevated to a level that is on par with scripture. And I've actually heard people that may not realize what they're saying. Maybe they do. I don't know. But I've heard people, and I've done this myself, is that if if you feel like that God has spoken to you or that he's spoken to someone else and he's revealed something through a dream or a vision or he's spoken to you inaudibly or audibly and and also in the promises of the word they'll lump all of that together and I've done that same thing too but it almost is if sometimes that we will inadvertently put what our vision is or what our experience is on par with scripture 
And you're going to say, well, how can you even say that? Well, because I was in this movement and I know what happens with people saying these things and whether they mean to or not, whether I was intentionally doing this or not, I was putting my quote prophetic vision on par with saying, this is what God showed me. This is what I believe that God is saying to me, which you're not going to find that scripture of them, of anybody saying, I believe God is saying this, because if you say, I believe that, then there's some speculation that he may not have said that as opposed to when prophets actually spoke, it was thus says the Lord, or the Holy Spirit says this, or this is what God says. There was no second guessing in there. When God speaks, it is certain. And, you know, I, I see this in, in this writing is my internal vision of a black widow spider. Again, there's no mention of Christ in here. There's no mention of the gospel. There's no pointing back to Jesus Christ in this. It's all about an experience, elevating that experience and putting it on par with the truth, the foundation of scripture. And just so we know these prophetic visions and the things that are being touted and pushed out as authentic revelation. They are all to be tested. They're all to be scrutinized and nothing is on par with scripture. Scripture is God breathed. It is from God himself as he care and as the Holy Spirit carried along men to write the, the word of God so that we would have it. It's the instruction that provides us with correction for reproof, for training in righteousness, the man of God, and for helping us to understand, again, proper theology, the nature of God. The word of God itself helps us to understand the proper nature of God. So far, I've read several paragraphs in this old blog post that I wrote, in case anybody's getting upset again, I'm going to remind you, I'm not attacking anyone. I am actually scrutinizing my own old writing because it needs to be scrutinized and to use it as a lesson to help others to see the error in this and that true prophecy again testifies of Christ. Let's keep going. We all know that the black widow spider is venomous and dangerous in the natural. Now, you're going to find some true statements in here, but again, does this glorify Christ? Is this pointing back to God? Is this revealing the nature of God, the theology of God? We'll keep reading to find out. She is cannibalistic, at times eating her mate and even her own offspring. Now, catch this right here. Paul warned in Galatians 5.15 of believers biting and devouring one another, leading to consuming one another. He then instructed the people to walk by the Spirit and not the flesh. Okay, well, that statement's true, but what does that have to do with a black widow spider? Nothing. In fact, when you read in Galatians, the whole entirety of Galatians is essentially Paul bringing correction to the Galatians, to the church in Galatia, because the Judaizers had come in and they were telling another gospel. They were bringing another gospel and another Christ to them and basically telling the people there, you know, this gospel that Paul has preached to you essentially this is not sufficient. In order to really be saved, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the law. You have to do all these other things. And Paul is bringing some correction to the church in Galatia, and he's reminding them of the true gospel, which is not by works. It's by faith, by by grace through faith in Christ alone. And it has nothing to do with your own righteousness. It has nothing to do with your own works. 
And in Galatians 5, he begins to talk to them about Christ setting them free. In the, in the first several verses there, prior to him addressing even about the biting and devouring, he's talking to them about circumcision, uncircumcision. He talks about a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. He says in verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. And he continues to uh, talk about the circumcision that's being preached here to the Galatians in the sense that it it is, re- is required for salvation, which we know is not true. And we know what true circumcision is, is a circumcision of the heart that God brings to those who believe in him. It's not a physical circumcision, but a circumcision of the heart. He separates us because of the change of our heart that of what takes place in us, the transformation, the change, the regeneration because of the work of God in us, not anything that we could do. Verse 13 says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serving one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And then Paul goes on in verse 16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And then he goes on to list those. So I wanted just to show you a quick example here of misappropriated scripture. I misappropriated scripture in this in this blog post. Galatians 5.15 has nothing to do with a cannibalistic black widow spider that eats her own babies and eats her own mate and, uh, and is venomous and dangerous in the natural. Nothing at all to do with that. Nor does this have anything to do with, again, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Galatians 5.15 in context is Paul correcting the Galatians in their conduct between one another and not bringing condemnation on someone else because of not being circumcised. In the context, that's what it's talking about and then goes on to talk about the difference between the works of the flesh and being led by the spirit versus being led by the flesh. That's the context. So we have to look at that and see this is misappropriated scripture right off the bat. I am not qualified four years ago to write this blog post. This blog post honestly should never have been written. It should never have been written. And I find that there are a number of the blog posts that I wrote that should never have been written. They should never have been published or released out. They should never have been released for people to read because they're not pointing back to God. They're not pointing back to the truth. They're pointing back to, again, my own revelation. You'll hear me say that several times because we need to understand that that's what's happening here. We keep reading. Christians operating in witchcraft will launch word curses over ministries they have left due to offense and rebellion. Submission to the authority of the bridegroom is an issue, and this character defect is evident in the lack of submission to those placed in authority within the body of Christ. The word tells us that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. And there it is. You're going to see that. Let me read one more paragraph, and then I want to to talk just, just for a bit about this. It says, you do not have to be conjuring up familiar spirits and chanting incantations to operate in witchcraft. If it is contrary to the nature of Jesus Christ, then it is in partnership with the kingdom of darkness. We are called to put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and such because we are living stones being built up as a spiritual house. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 5. This spirit must be purged from among the rocks. Looking back on this, um, again, I, I told you a few minutes ago about the whole thing of Christians operating in witchcraft. So again, we're not talking about Christian witches, but talking about this, this teaching or this uh, proposed understanding that there are true born-again believers that are operating in witchcraft, speaking word curses over ministries. So this almost, it's, it's tying in the word of faith so that your words have power, that your words have the ability to uh, bring forth life and death. And I, I would just gently say that that is a misunderstanding of Proverbs 18 and that we don't create things with our words. We are created beings. We do not have creative power in that sense to, to bring things into existence like that with our words. That is not a biblical understanding of Christianity. And God is the one who creates things, not us. There is this whole premise here of going of, of saying that Christians operating in witchcraft utilizing this black widow spider and basically assigning this black widow spider to those who would rebel against authority. Now, how ironic that two years later, that same tactic would actually be used against me in questioning leadership and being told you're operating in rebellion and being used essentially, this type of argument is used to shut down critical thinking. And it's used to demonize believers in Christ. It's really focusing more, assigning a spirit to people that are professing believers. When you're assigning another spirit to professing believers, then there comes the question of, well, are they really believers? Because would the Holy Spirit cohabit with a demon if that's what's going on here? And we, and we I've talked about deliverance before in other podcasts and other blog posts. But I just want you to see here again, misappropriated scripture, 1 Samuel 15, 23, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. When it's talking about Christians operating in witchcraft and launching word curses and not being submitted to their authority. And it's almost implying when I read it, submission to the authority of the bridegroom is an issue. Um, and that this character defect is evident in the lack of submission to those placed in authority within the body of Christ. But the leaders in the body of Christ are not Christ. I mean, when I read that sentence, it's disturbing to me, the, the lack of understanding that I had at that point. Submission that we are to respect our leaders, but we are never told to equate them to Christ. And I'm not saying that there are leaders that, that always do that, but there are leaders in these movements that will believe that their authority is damning if you don't submit to them. And I know that that's strong verbiage to use, but that's the truth. I mean, there are some leaders, not all in these movements. Again, I don't want to generalize, but there are some in these movements that if you don't submit to them, then they view you as being influenced by the demonic and that it is damning for you to not submit to them. That is dangerous belief. And that is bad theology because that is equating someone on the same level as Christ. Christ is the head of the church. He is the head. Yes, we respect leadership, but we also understand they are not on the same par with Jesus Christ. There is a difference. <laughs> there is a difference. But we, we know in a scripture that we are told to respect leadership, that we are to, we are to respect leadership, and that we have people in the, in the sense that we submit to them in a biblical way. 
but we also understand that we are allowed to ask questions, we are allowed to test things, that no one is better than anybody else, and no one is anointed more than anybody else, and so we're all on the same playing field. We're all, it's all level at the foot of the cross. So let me continue, and I hope that this is helping someone with this. It is significant that the venom of the black widow causes muscle paralysis, particularly to the diaphragm. This is the muscle that aids in breathing. This spider represents the enemy attempting to impede the body of Christ from releasing the breath of God effectively. Wow. You're telling me that God is not bigger than a devil? You're telling me that, that this spider, this analogy here, this internal vision is greater than, the, than God from his own breath? Wow. It wants to suffocate the move of Holy, of Holy Spirit. There, and I don't know why that this goes on in, in this movement, but we remove the the from Holy Spirit. So it's not the Holy Spirit, it's, it's Holy Spirit. That may be a moot point, but it wants to suffocate the move of Holy Spirit among the people of God, and it will inflict its venom in whatever way it deems necessary to achieve its goal. Some of you have been under intense attack by the enemy, and it has stifled your spiritual breath. Catch your breath and fight back with the word of God and the blood of the lamb. Uh, if I had a three-letter word, not a four-letter word, if I had a three-letter word to use for this this paragraph right here, it would be, ugh. Um, when I read this, I mean, some things stick out to me in the past several paragraphs I've read to you. you know, the spider, again, is the subject of interest. The kingdom of darkness, quote, the kingdom of darkness is the hot topic here. Christ and Where's Christ in all of this? That's the question that I want to ask the, quote, prophet from four years ago. Where is Christ in all of this? He's nowhere to be found in this. Nowhere. And again, misappropriated scripture. We've seen this a couple of times already. And we're seeing that there's a justification of the words here rather than talking about the justification by faith in Christ. Again, there's no mention of the gospel in here. It is all about the darkness. It is all about the demonic. It is all about this silly spider. It's all, and it's going to get worse. <laughs> it's going to get worse. Um, in, in case you know what that reference is, some of you will catch that and some of you won't, but it's going to get worse. Um, and instead of proclaiming the gospel and leading people to the word of God rightly divided, it led to my own thoughts, again, my own vain imaginations, and they were being presented as truth. It all comes back to the question of where is Christ in all of this? And some are going to say, well, he's giving this revelation. The Holy, uh, going to say the Holy Spirit is giving this revelation. Prove it. I can't even prove it. And I wrote this. I can't prove it. This is my own prophetic experience that I'm, I'm proclaiming as truth. And it can't be proven. You can take try to take this back to scripture all you want as far as, you know, we say, well, you're supposed to test prophetic visions and test dreams and such. But what happens is, is that we're trying to go in scripture and find something to justify why we've had the dream or vision or whatever we've had instead of actually looking at scripture in context. And I didn't do that. I wasn't looking at scripture in context. I was pulling scripture out of context to justify my internal vision. Okay, so then the next section is has a heading says the black widow's web has been disturbed. It's going to get worse, guys. Here we go. The web of a black widow is not a typical web. Her web appears uneven and chaotic, but despite its appearance, it is strategic and carefully planned, consisting of three structural levels. Oh, brace yourself for this one. This prophetically mimics the Trinity. And its goal is to ensnare prey for destruction while serving as a fortress to the black widow. We must know those who labor among us. What appears on the surface is not always what lies beneath. 
Wow, that sounds pseudo profound. That is pseudo profound right there. And I, again, I want to ask the question of this prophet, the web prophetically mimics the Trinity? Um, how? <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I want to ask. How? How does that happen? Um, how? You didn't, you didn't expound on that. You just said that statement. It's dangling in the prophetic ether. And the goal of this, you're saying, this, this Trinitarian web is to ensnare prey for destruction while serving as a fortress to the Black Widow? Do you see that there's no explanation in here? It's just something that's just dangling. It's left there, and it sounds so profound, and it's not, this is not profound. It's nonsense. And then, again, you're tying in people with this. So it says, we must know those who labor among us. Again, if there's a demonization here or um, a villainization of people that are not submitting and that they're they're the ones responsible for this spider. And then what appears on the surface is not always what lies beneath. That's, that is so vague. It, that can't even be tested. This is not, <laughs> this is just not, it's not good. And as I told you, it's getting worse. So I discovered that the Black Widow depends on her web and she is clumsy without it. In her absence, the web falls into disrepair and she typically attacks when her web is disturbed or if her egg sac is in danger. For those in ministry who are experiencing spiritual attacks and witchcraft, I want to tell you that one reason this is happening is because you have disturbed the enemy's structure. Really, can we prove that? Notice that, again, Christ has not been mentioned, has not been talked about. There's no understanding of his nature in here. There's no understanding of the gospel. But yet there is a heightening of ourselves that you have disturbed the enemy structure. And I want to tell you something with all love and sincerity. The devil is not afraid of you. The devil is not afraid of me. When we create a belief or doctrine that the devil fears us, that when we put our feet on the floor in the morning, that the devil's afraid of us and that he just shakes, you have just made yourself God in that moment. To have that type of mindset that the devil is afraid of you, the devil's afraid of you. He's not. He bows to one and one alone, and that is God. And we are not God, and we must remember that. And there are some people that are going to be offended at hearing that, and they're going to say, well, how dare you say something like that? The devil is afraid of me, and I don't believe that I'm God. But you are believing that you're God when you believe that the devil is afraid of you. He's not afraid of you. There are no passages in Scripture in context that you can bring to support the fact that that the devil is afraid of you. They aren't there. And so you're going to see there's an emphasis on self. You have disturbed the web with the authentic presence of God. You have not been moved by fear despite the warning of that red hourglass by the enemy. You have endangered the plots and schemes lurking in the egg sack, plans designed with intention against the bride of Christ. So who is God here again? Let's just think about that because it's not mentioning anything about the power of God unto salvation. It's not talking about, it's not focusing on God. Again, this is bad theology. And and really, there's no theology here. It's, it's absent because... That's how bad it is. There's no, there's no focus on God. It's all focused on self, on us. And and I want to say this as far as the, as again, as the witchcraft is concerned. And when we're, you know, we're, we're villainizing people and demonizing people. And then we're heightening our ability in super, in spiritual warfare and against witchcraft. There's a pseudo subculture here 
uh, that's been created within certain circles of the charismatic church that's based upon eisegesis of a handful of pet Bible verses that are used to create false doctrines. And I have two words for that. Stop it. Just stop it. I mean, we need to get back to the Bible. There is so much biblical illiteracy, and I was one of those. That's why I, I have such urgency and such passion to talk about this, these things like this, because I saw it in myself. I was so biblically illiterate that I, it, it is obvious when I read through this, and it's sad, because I, I, even at this point, I sincerely love the Lord, but I was, in sincere, I was sincerely in error. Sincerity has nothing to do with being a Christian. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this is a focus on self here, that you've disturbed the web, that you've done all these things. You've endangered the plots and schemes lurking, and you are not afraid. Well, Christ is the one that is the victor, not us. He has the victory. So let's keep reading. Without the web of deceit, manipulation, and impurity, the enemy is thrown off balance. This spider is a pet of Jezebel because this web is her structure. Let us not be discouraged in this hour, saints. A remnant is disturbing the web of this black widow through the word, prayer, and intercession. And that is the reason for heightened witchcraft in this hour. The carefully planned web of the enemy has been encroached upon by a people unrelenting in their pursuit of the kingdom of God. Make no mistake, the devil will not give up easily. But the enemy knows a fumigation of reformation. Please forgive me for that. It's, uh, I read that and I just, I just cringe. A fumigation of reformation is in the air. Because we as the people of God are not afraid to wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers over this present darkness, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12. Misappropriated scripture. This is not the time to back down, but to press onward and to reclaim ground level for Christ. We must reject the operation of witchcraft from within the body of Christ. Repentance must come to those claiming light but operating in darkness. We desperately need the gift of discernment activated in our lives. If that's not a lack of self-awareness, I don't know what is. I encourage you to curse this black widow and her egg sac. Declare over your home and the corporate body of Christ that the breath of God will not be stifled. When we choose to operate in the authority given to us by Christ, the result is a web left in disrepair. This is so sad. Uh, I, I, and I read through this again. I've read through it several times uh, in the past week. And every time I read it, uh, I am so thankful for the Lord opening my eyes to the truth, to see the error, and to come back to the truth of the Word of God. What also stood out to me in reading this is the time I spent researching that black widow spider was time wasted. And it should have been spent studying the Word of God and understanding His ways and His nature proper theology, as opposed to the nature of an arachnid. And I, I mean, you can even spin this when I, when I even think about it, you know, why not even take it a step further? If I'm going to talk about this, this spider, you know, spiders have eight legs. Eight is a num is a prophetic number. It's, it's said, I don't know where this information comes from, but we've always said this in the, in these circles, uh, the number eight means it's symbolizes new beginnings, well, why couldn't this spider symbolize new beginnings? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Do you see that we can we can start taking things and, you know, omen reading and misconstruing them and misappropriating scripture and try to make it sound so profound and and label it as prophetic, and it's not prophetic. This is not testifying of Christ. Not in the least bit is it testifying of Christ. Just because I mentioned the kingdom of God, I mentioned the body of Christ, I mentioned and essentially name drop 
in there, that does not mean anything. And true spiritual warfare, I mean, a reading Ephesians 6, I encourage you to maybe do a, 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 do a Bible study on Ephesians 6 and get some good, solid biblical understanding. Get a good expository teaching on Ephesians 6 to understand what that is because it has been so misconstrued and we have made uh, spiritual warfare into something that it's not, um, that it's almost glorified in this sense and that we are the ones that are conquering all these demons and we're the ones that are battling and we are going to have the victory and we forget that that as believers, if we're true believers in Christ, Christ has the victory. He's already overcome. He's already victorious. He's already won the victory for us. And you know, when I when I go back and think about, you know, without the web of deceit, manipulation, impurity, the enemy's thrown off balance, Jezebel, the pet of Jezebel is this silly spider. And then, then again, a focus on self again. A remnant is disturbing the web of this black widow through the word, prayer, and intercession. We're, again, it's It's elevating man to this superhero status. And it sounds like Jesus Christ is in the passenger seat or he's in the back seat. And, you know, we're the ones that are in charge. We're we're navigating this this vehicle. We're navigating and he's just cheering us on. I mean, it's just, it's dreadful when I read it. And then the, when I, I really cringe, like I said, I cringe when I read the fumigation of reformation is in the air. No, it's not. So, but and then at the end, when it says we must reject the operation of witchcraft from within the body of Christ and repentance must come to, to those claiming light. Repentance must certainly come, but it's repentance for our sin and rebellion against God. And writing words like this, this is absolutely, this is not in, a, in accordance with scripture. It's not in accordance with the truth. And I'm so thankful that God granted me repentance Yes, repentance must come, uh, but not in the way that this article is ending that I wrote four years ago. Repentance needs to come because of sin and rebellion that is that is uh, being demonstrated in writing such words and saying we desperately need the gift of discernment. Again, uh, the lack of self-awareness is is amazing at that point, but I, I'm thankful now that there is, there is much self-awareness with that, that there was no discernment in that point. And finally, with ending with this blog post, it was saying, uh, I was saying to to curse the black widow and her egg sack and to declare over your home and the corporate body of Christ that the breath of God will not be stifled. I, I want to just um, maybe offer this up for food for thought. Do you ever recall anyone in scripture when they pray that they are addressing Satan or they're addressing the devil? Because when we pray, that is actually um, us bringing our petitions to God, making our requests known to God, that we can praise and and give thanksgiving to God. You notice here who the center of prayer is supposed to be? It's supposed to be to God, to the Lord. It's supposed to be unto Him. We don't address demons when we pray. There is no evidence of that in Scripture. And then some people will use examples and they'll say, but what about the apostles when they, they spoke to these demons, they weren't praying. They were commanding under the authority of Jesus Christ as an apostle. They were commanding, and in immediately it says, this was not like, again, we're going to a different topic here, but if this was not an hour-long session of writhing and throwing themselves around and flopping around on the floor. This was instant because God's power immediately worked because God is 
triumphant, and he is uh, victorious over the demonic. Period. End of statement. There is no argument with that, that God is omnipotent, he is omnipresent, he is omniscient, and he, he is the one that has the victory over demons. He is the one that causes them to tremble because of who he is. So this whole thing of declaring over your home, decree and declare, command and demand, I would just strongly and lovingly encourage you, please understand what biblical prayer looks like. And I've talked about that before. That's not biblical prayer. Decreeing, commanding, demanding, cursing this black widow spider. Please, if you've ever read this blog post, throw it in the trash. Disregard it. Get back to reading the Bible. This is not in Scripture. You need to not pay any attention to this silly, vain imagination of a black widow spider, her egg sac. Nobody cares. Our focus as Christians is to not be so focused, hyper-focused, on the demonic realm. We understand that the demonic exists. We understand Satan is real. We understand that there is true evil in this world. And quite frankly, a lot of the evil, well, all the evil stems back to sin and rebellion. And we, and we as unbelievers before knowing Christ have a role to play in that because we have all sinned and rebelled against God. We all come from Adam and Adam is our father, spirit, uh, our first father, and he sinned. He rebelled against God. He did not listen. But Christ is the second Adam, and he has come to restore those things, and he has come to give the promise of eternal life through repentance, through faith in Christ alone. And we don't need to be cursing this spider. We don't need to be spending our, all of our time, all of our energy focused towards the devil. We need to be biblically praying. We need to understand proper theology. We need to get back into the Word of God, understand the Bible in context, and we also need to understand our authority in Christ. And so there's something I wanted to read to you. It's something I found on gotquestions.org, and I go there from time to time when I'm looking up certain topics to see if it if it offers any help to me in, in understanding. And so when I typed in uh, the question about the authority of the believer, this came up. I'm just going to read a little bit of this to you before we close out. So we look at the, the doctrine of the authority of the believer. It's used in the charismatic, which if you're familiar with Kenneth Hagin, then you'll know what I'm talking about. That's a different topic for a different day. I actually have um, the original copy of that book, which was not the same title. Again, that's another uh, topic for another day. And I have the more updated copy that was released, I believe, in 1984. This type of uh, understanding of the authority of the believer is used to claim divine power. This is what gotquestions.org says. Uh, to perform miracles, to get rich, stay healthy, bind Satan, speak a new reality into existence, or whatever else the believer wants to happen. And this is a perversion of biblical teaching. So the believer in Christ has some authority, but over what is the question? And how much authority has God delegated to the believer? Well, they go on in, in this answer, question and answer section to say, before you go on, that there has to be an understanding that we as believers are under authority. God is the authority. God is the authority. As Jesus reminds us, you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say we are unworthy servants. We have only done our our duty. That's in Luke chapter 17, verse 10. Believers should point to God's authority. The believer's life is totally dependent on God as modeled by the Son of God. And we see that 
modeled in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, and John chapter 5, verse 30. God has appointed lesser authorities in this world. Parents have authority over their children. Husbands have authority over their wives. Kings have authority over their subjects. The apostles had authority over the church. Some people use the Great Commission to teach the authority of the believer, and that's referenced in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. But the authority in the passage clearly belongs to Jesus. He claims all authority and then tells those who fall under his authority what to do. Based on the Great Commission, the only authority believers possess is the authority to go into all the world, the authority to make disciples, the authority to baptize in the name of the triune God, and the authority to teach Jesus' commands. In the exercise of this authority, the believer is simply obeying orders. Besides the authority to share the gospel, the authority of the believer includes the right to be called a child of God and the authority to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. That's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. In all things, we remember that Christ is the Lord. So some Christians get mixed up with the authority of the believer because they take verses out of context. They may take Matthew 10, verse 1 out of context. And some people claim authority over demons and sickness based on this verse, conveniently overlooking the fact that Jesus was speaking to a particular group of people. He was speaking to his 12 disciples for a particular time of ministry. Others errantly claim to possess apostolic gifts and therefore profess to have the same authority as Peter or Paul. Some people claim authority for the believer based on Old Testament promises to Joshua, Gideon, or Israel. Again, taking verses out of context, as we've talked about before, as I was guilty of misappropriating scripture. Others claim authority based on Mark 16, 17 through 18, even though that portion of Mark's gospel is a late addition to the book and not original. So you will see that, uh, and some people debate on this, but uh, when you look at older manuscripts of Mark 16 uh, verses, I believe even... Mark sixteen fifteen through 20, if I'm not mistaken. Some actually uh, note that older manuscripts do not even contain those passages of Scripture. And so there's a question of, did Mark write those? Did someone else add those later? W what is going on there? But this article, I encourage you to read it on gotquestions.org, whether you agree or disagree with it, uh, just to check it out and to go back to Scripture uh, because it does offer some interesting insight that, that may be helpful. But... Um, it's on gotquestions.org, and the question that you ask is, what is the authority of the believer when you look it up? It's a good website. I've actually, it's, it's been very helpful when I look up even just basic biblical understanding of things and to help add to my Bible study. I don't use it as my primary source, but I use several different things when I'm, when I'm searching things out and wanting to understand the Bible better and in the proper context. But I find at times that this is a good resource to go to. Yeah, in closing, I, I just wanted to, to again talk about this blog post and I'm and maybe this just this helps to see too that when I'm addressing certain teachings like this I'm not going after people and I'm not I'm not making myself immune from this type of scrutiny and I want to encourage those again who have read this blog post and maybe hold to it as truth please disregard it um, get back to reading the Bible. This is not the truth. The truth is found in the Word of God. This prophecy is not on par with Scripture. It is it is rubbish. Just get rid of it. Because there's nothing here that's glorifying Christ. This is glorifying a spider that was a vain imagination. And if, if it's helped at all, I hope it has. And ultimately what we need to be doing is we need to be pointing people back to Jesus Christ. We need to be people pointing people back to true 
prophecy, which essentially is pointing them back to Christ. And we need to be getting back to the Word of God. The Word of God is the truth. We need to understand Scripture in context. We need to stop wanting all these extra extra biblical experiences all the time in order to validate our Christian walk. That does not validate our Christian walk. This post here that I did and that was shared does not validate my Christian walk. What validates my Christian walk is the atonement of Jesus Christ for my sins and for dying in my place on the cross and for giving me the promise of eternal life and my, and my faith in him to save me from my sin, from, from the wrath of God. My uh, position in Christ is based on what he did, not what I have done. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. I want to understand true prophecy and go back to scripture in order to understand that. And I'm not looking anymore for extra biblical experiences. Not to say that God can't do things. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that I'm not looking for extra biblical experiences in order to validate my walk with Christ. That does not validate it. It does not authenticate it. But what does is what Christ did for me. So again, I hope this has been helpful. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to message me or ask questions. I don't have all the answers. What I can tell you, though, from this, this is not from God. I would ignore it. I would disregard it. Get back to the word of God. And for those that did listen to this years ago, forgive me for writing this. Forgive me for influencing you in any way that would have led you away from Jesus Christ and back to yourself or back to vain imaginations or an experience or an encounter, anything. Trust in Christ alone. Get back to the word of God and back to the truth of his word because his word does not come back void. And that's not a catchphrase. His word does not come back void. What it's sent out to do, it will achieve what it's supposed to do. And the point of his word is to minister the gospel, to minister the truth, to point people back to Jesus Christ, and to glorify him in all things. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.